Hey guys, welcome to Hope It Helps. Today's guest is Khairi Abuljibain. Khairi is the founder of Maharatkum, a revolutionizing test engine tool that uses AI and data analytics to provide a detailed candidate profile in behavioral, organizational, and situational skills related to the workplace. His vision is to make a social impact and provide students, graduates, and working professionals with a deeper insight into the areas of skills and expertise. During this episode, we discuss the Maharatkum story and what makes their psychometric assessments unique. We talk about his passion to support Arab youths, how education evolves with technology, and the impact of AI on the future of education. And the last message he wanted to share is focus on the youth and empower them. Please join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. Khairi Abuljabain. Thank you, man. It's been a long time awaiting this, it's been, right? Guys, three years. <laughs> it, took us to get, it took us to get to here to sit down, but we're finally here and that's all that matters. Uh, so first of all, Kay, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Now, I've wanted to talk to you for a while because I think the work that you're doing with your startup is really, really interesting. So the startup's called Maharatkum and it's all focused on the educational tech space. And you're using, you know, uh, artificial intelligence and data analytic, analytics to give people, you know, more insight into, you know, their skills and, you know, maybe help. And it's interesting that what I like about it is that you're tackling three different areas. There's like um, uh, high school students and then there's university graduates and not even that. And there's also for working professionals. And I was, I did the test um, uh, when you, I think a year ago, two years ago, and I was really surprised with the results because it's pretty, pretty accurate, but also give me some insight into I'm like, oh, I didn't know, like that's an area I was good at or that I knew about. And it helped, gave me maybe a new perspective on them. Maybe this is a new avenue I could take if I like this kind of stuff. So it just opened me up to different possibilities. And I think that is something that reflecting on my time and maybe on yours that I fucking wish we had when we were, <laughs> when we were growing up Definitely. and at different points in our life. Um, but before we get into everything, Kay, uh, why don't you give all of us a little bit of background about yourself and we'll take it from there. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm glad to finally be on this podcast. Yes, I'm honored. Honored. Uh, thank you for the introduction. So um, my name is Khairi Abdul-Jabain. Uh, I was born in the States, uh, lived there for nothing, two, three months. Most of my childhood was in Kuwait. Most of our family was there. Um, then in 1990, moved to California. And that's kind of where home became home. Yeah. Uh, went to middle school, high school, university, and started my work experience there, actually. And then uh, in 2008, I decided, you know what? Uh, let's try this thing called Dubai. Uh, as a Palestinian and an Arab American, I always had this, you know, wanting to be back in the region, um, wanting to be in an Arab, Arab community, Arab culture. Uh, moved here in 2008, uh, started working in Dubai, and been here for 15 years now. Uh, it was quite a journey. You know, uh, I'm 43 now, so that work or career uh, mm. path doesn't necessarily go in the direction that you might think it is. You know, like sure. sometimes your interests are something, and then you realize maybe eight years into your career, you know what? This is actually what I want to do. Um, and that's kind of what led me into becoming an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, and it's been exciting. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but uh, I'm looking forward to diving into what you really touched on in the end, because uh, this is really where my passion is right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this, is, this is where we're at right now. Yeah, perfect. Um, and I'm curious, I don't think I ever asked you, did you always, 
did you always want to be an entrepreneur or was it for you through your career you found something that you're like you know what i genuinely want to pursue this and like go down this route that's a very good question that's why i'm laughing because you know what i've always i've always had these entrepreneurial type of uh, thoughts or, or 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 the path that i wanted you know i always wanted to do my own thing um I always wanted to be the type of person that does like deals and uh, try to make my own thing. Um, and it's funny because uh, it's not the first time I tried to be an entrepreneur, right? So well, I started my career in uh, real estate, um, started in the States in the mortgage industry. Um, the crash kind of started happening in the States before the rest of the world, moved in 2008, was also in real estate. I was passionate about it, you know, real estate was, it, it had the the deal aspect, you know, like where you're getting the client, you're creating the deal. Um, then we went into a venture uh, with my uncle, your father, yeah, uh, yeah. into the, the real estate world. Unfortunately, like five months down the line, the whole global crisis happened. Yeah. Um, and that's where I started my first entrepreneurial, let's say, step. Yeah. Uh, I tried to do like it was mainly in commodities and trading. Um, tried it for a couple of years, but realized I wasn't ready. Right? Um, some people are at at a young age; they're ready. Um, at that stage, I feel I was. I think my discipline wasn't really there. I knew what I wanted to do, but I maybe wasn't doing it. Yeah, been there. Um, so sure. life. Action and and the funny story is it was a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing, and I'm not the type of person that like regrets things. Uh, I try to like learn from experiences and mistakes, and uh, it led me kind of to where I'm at today because at that stage I needed a, j a job, and uh, I was introduced to this awarding body certification named International Computer Driving License. And I'm like, what is this? You know, uh, dove into it a bit. Uh, did my interview, um, met my boss who turned out to be like an old family friend from Kuwait. Uh, so we hit it off really well. And I went into this world that little behold, it's actually where my passion was. And that's mm -hmm. why when I, when you're like, tell me a bit about yourself. And I'm like, you know, I'm 43, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do until the age of 33. You yeah. know, yeah, um, and that's where the passion for education or or training and development really came into play. And I would focus even more. Uh, the passion came more because I was working on projects that were impacting society, mm. and that's when I say my passion. It came in that regards because we were working with like government entities. We were working on projects that dealt with the youth or like the, 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 the national visions on empowering youth to prepare these youth to take the next steps and strides. Um, worked on a lot of like uh, cybersecurity type of, uh, type of initiatives. And at the time, because I was so involved uh, in these social impact projects, my passion was, you know, I love what I'm doing. Um, and I love where it's taking me. Uh, so... And then it led me to what I'm doing now. So that's why I'm saying, yeah, I, I, to answer your question, yes, I've always had that entrepreneur type of mindset where I want to do my own thing. I want to try to build it. I want to try to make it. And uh, there was things that needed to get me to where I am today. But sure. yes, the answer to your question is yes. Yeah. And uh, 
What's interesting is, and I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with, is there's this famous thing, um, there's like the, the famous saying of finding your passion. And I feel like a lot of times when people say that, it's almost like you have to find it when you're like super young. If you didn't find it then, then like you're never going to find it. But in your example, you found it later than other people. It, but myself included, even with the work I'm doing now, if you asked me a couple of years ago, we, we you came and visited me in Amsterdam. Yep. We, you, we, you know, we, we chilled, yeah. we sat, whatever. Podcasting never even was a thing. It didn't even come out of my mouth. It was like, oh, this is something I'm going to do. And like, here we are like four years later. And like, this is where we're at. So I, I just want people to remember that I'm not trying to preach here, but like, just because you don't have it now doesn't mean you won't have it later. 100%. And one, and I like what you said that you always learned. And for example, if you didn't go into, if that company wasn't the company you actually went into, maybe you wouldn't even be like, you wouldn't have started. And actually right now. to add to that, when I said my first entrepreneur, like venture. Sure. With ICDL, it wasn't only the passion, but even like the corporate discipline, the um, working with the corporate bureaucracy, uh, the and you know the different management styles. Uh, you wanting to grow and be your own manager, but I think I I definitely needed that kind of structure, discipline, understanding the business, how to run a business, uh, getting on a flight seven a.m. and coming back at. 12 a.m. You know what I mean? For me, that yeah. grind yeah. is what I was missing that first time. Yeah. So maybe yeah, I had the right ideas. I could have possibly done things with it, but I wasn't disciplined yet. And, sure. I, and, I'm, and I'm proud to say that. You know, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not embarrassed to say because these are the journeys. So touching on what you're saying, yeah, sometimes, sometimes people find their passion very late, right? And you see it with, I mean, I'm not going to say the cliche stories, but we see it with a lot of the successful people or yeah, the successful yeah. stories and these big franchises, you find the founder was like 57 yeah. or 65. Yeah. You do find founders that are 20 and 21 course, that have created fantastic uh, ventures and ideas. But what I'm trying to say is to harp on what you're saying. Sometimes you don't know that your passion is in something that's probably going to come down the line. You start your career thinking, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And I think maybe that falls more on professionals like mm. lawyers, doctors, mm -mm. Um, engineers, because you're kind of on that track. Yes, they could possibly become business owners. Yeah. But what I'm saying yeah. is because it's a profession, you have that, that those levels there's, that you have. There's to, like a roadmap. Exactly. Yeah. So I love what you just said, because I, I'm a big believer in that. Um, and I do believe it ages. It's just a number. There's not one track set. You yeah. have to be from 21 to 25, you got to do this and you got to find this. You might find it much later in your life. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, and I love what you said. And I think that's something so important to remember because um, I think sometimes like that sentence is like, find your passion is like incomplete, but like it should be whenever, like at any time or any point. And like you said, like different, you make your choices in life or in your career or in your work no matter which way, it's, it do, you don't know which way it's going to take you. So you don't know when, where, how, if, sometimes if, and that's fine. Even if it doesn't, that's fine. You can have a very successful career as, you know, as working in, like working with companies and so on. But let's bring it back to Maharatkam. All right. So you were in ICDL for like eight years, I think, for quite a while. About five years, yeah. yeah or, sorry, five yeah. years. Um, and 
you and it was all about certifications and so on and i didn't know that it was about like certifications and stuff but now with knowing what maharatkum is i'm like ah okay i see the track i see the link okay, the link yeah. exactly I'm like okay certifications but you took it a step further and you wanted to focus mainly on the educational side so tell me let's tell us a maharatkum story where did the idea come from and what were you what did you see as like you know this is something i believe that is worth pursuing so just to touch back on ICDL because it's really why it led me into Maharatkam. So with ICDL, again, because we were working on social impact projects um, and working on digital certifications, and at the time, digital literacy was, it was just starting. Yeah, right? yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I would say like mid, like early 2011, 2012, national visions were all about digital literacy, uh, all of this. So because of that, through the years, yeah, we were doing projects, we were working on cybersecurity, we were working on all these things, but I was realizing there was one element that was kind of missing and it was being called for by stakeholders, is that how can I pre-assess where my employees are when it comes to digital literacy? So we had something basic, but it really wasn't defining, did you need word or did you need to learn more on excel or, you know what i mean it was like more of a whole package sure so when i left icdl um i had a good network of people that i knew um and i kind of knew the direction i wanted to go into and funny story it wasn't really maharatkum it was more like okay let's go back to that previous thing that i did let me get like agencies to like certain companies in mm -hmm. europe and try to sell their product here so that's where I saw you in Amsterdam several yeah. times. So I yeah. partnered up with a few companies in Amsterdam. Um, one was in the online proctoring space and one was in the assessment phase, but not really what we were doing. Um, and I tried to sell their idea. And then I was like, you know what? I'm seeing a trend in the region. The call for 21st century skills, focus on behavioral and soft skills, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, because because we got so into digital literacy, and I think maybe the the high school generation right now has so much screen time that interpersonal kind of skill, I don't want to say is non-existent, but it needs work. It's lacking. Right? Sure. It's lacking. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could be a genius at what you're doing, but if you're not relaying that message to your boss or to your coworkers, there's a there's a there, you're lost in translation, right? Yeah. And that's where the idea of Maharatkum slowly started to come. I'm like, you know what? We need, there's a lot of psychometric assessments. Just yeah. to give you a background, yeah, yeah. Maharatkum is a psychometric assessment. Uh, it's focused on behavioral and soft skills. There's a lot of companies out there. Um, but one thing that I was trying, to, what, I, what I was finding is that a lot of these assessment companies, they give you like a specific assessment for a specific trait. So you have like an Test for aptitude, mm -hmm. test for critical thinking, yeah. test for leadership skills. I'm like, from a management perspective, it takes too long. If I'm going to have Khalid take four tests for me to understand where he's strong and where he's areas to improve. Yeah. So that was the first step. I'm like, okay, let me think of a test that can kind of combine all of these into one assessment, mm. right? Then I was like, the key here is Arabic. Uh, yes, assessments have Arabic tests, but one, they're translated. They're not really localized, which is a very big difference. So there's Google Translate, but there's localization where 
an Egyptian and a Palestinian and a Saudi and an Emirati can understand one dialogue uh, as opposed to just having it translated. Sure. And it's key because when you're doing a psychometric assessment, you got to answer kind of correctly so that you can get the right results at the end. Exactly. And that's where Maharatkom was born. Mm. So I was like, okay, let's get an assessment that's one, streamlined. Two, I want to make it Arabic, where while you're taking the assessment, you can interchange simultaneously. Uh, three, I want to segment it, but segment it based on what you touched on, experience level. Mm. So we have, let's say, two sets of set assessments. We have the education assessments, and then we have the professional development assessments. Um, and then I wanted to focus purely on what the World Economic Forum was calling. And they were saying the kind of the outgoing skills were the office skills, mm -hmm. the Microsoft office skills, mm -hmm. and the incoming were back to the interpersonal communication, uh, critical thinking, time and stress management. So I'm like, this is what I want to focus on. Yeah. So we developed this with my tech team. Uh, I Because I'm an entrepreneur and I realized the importance of creating synergy with different entrepreneurs out there one it's cost effective two you get to meet new people that can maybe give you insight on different trends that are happening so i worked with a localization company i worked with a development team and it was kind of like pick up and pieces and then finally we created the dashboard yeah because we're in a data-driven world so i didn't want to just be a psychometric assessment so maharat come you take the test and bye bye no i wanted to create a dashboard where whereby I can filter through the data that was coming so that, I again, due to the social impact projects, and that's where I thought about it. I'm like, to be able to work with government agencies that are calling for youth empowerment, I need data based on assessments that will allow them to kind of make, not decisions, but direct them into, okay, maybe this demographic requires this type of training. This demographic requires... Or when it comes to hiring, okay, maybe I know Dubai has these strong suits, Abu Dhabi has these strong suits. So if I'm coming to hire somebody for a specific trait, I can kind of plug and play easily. So this is really where Maharatkam came from. So it was kind of a long process yeah. of learning, failing, going into corporate, uh, understanding discipline, understanding the education system, the training system to lead me to Maharatkam. Yeah. And it's interesting. I didn't know there were because I I, I don't think we've ever, we've ever talked about like the full story. And it's it's interesting that at every at every stage you like there was an addition. So like you started like okay, I want to do a psychometric test, and it's like okay, we need to not just focus on these areas. We need to add like we have to focus on these three, and then okay, now we have these three. What are, and then oh Arabic, that's something that's lacking in the region. Okay, we need to add Arabic, and then oh we need data analytics. Okay, now we create the dashboard. So what I love about Maharatkom is there's there's a lot of this I see it from both sides I see it as a as a user and I see it as a business uh, or as for example as a country society whatever first of all as a person myself like as a consumer myself I would love to know especially especially I think especially for me personally it doesn't mean this is necessarily the case for like high school for university and so on in a professional setting, it's it's more interesting to know. I'm like, okay, this is I didn't know I was good at these areas. But when I think you're first starting out, you really don't know what you're good at, where you're supposed to go, how you're supposed to go. So from a from a from a customer perspective, I like that it gives me a lot of insight into what I'm good at and gives me that means 
then I can start thinking about different possibilities that these skills would fit into. From a business perspective, I think it's priceless because if I, you need to understand like where your, what's your, like having that insight about <clears throat> your employees is so useful because you understand where you, where are you lacking? What are you, what are you guys best at? What, are, uh, where do we need to hire for? How do we, it's going to influence maybe the next, okay, we need people who have this certain, you know, uh, demographic or this certain way of they think and so on. So, um, it, it solves two different, it solves two problems at the same time. Now, You've done, mashallah, over 5,000 tests, uh, probably even more by now. Uh, I'm just going based on the, uh, the numbers uh, I was looking at. Um, and you, got, you do so for there's high school graduates, there's university, and there's for working professionals, right? There's two, those three levels. Now, in your, now that you, with all the data that you've gathered, I'm curious, where have you found that there is, like people have the biggest craving for it? And what has been, I guess, the most uh, successful tests uh, between, you know, those three different levels? Um, you know, to get to, I mean, to answer that question, we also, as I mean, as an entrepreneur, and you're an entrepreneur yourself, so you're, you're always trying to separate yourself from the field, right? So sure. with all the continuing advancement and what you try to add onto it, to get, to, to be able to answer what you just asked, what we also added was, I was like, I don't want to just be obsolete and be an assessment or data. So this is where we actually kind of striked our first milestone as a partnership. I was like, I want it to be a professional development assessment. Um, and that's where we partnered with Idrak, which is similar to Coursera, but it's the Arabic Coursera. Mm -hmm. And that allowed Maharatkum to move from a simple psychometric assessment and data to a professional development assessment because after you take the report, now I had the capability of mapping your areas to improve to, to the courses that are specific for that. Mm -hmm. Why did I start, uh, why am I mentioning this? Because to answer what you're saying, so the education, the graduate job seeker, and then the professional. With this aspect, it allows for one companies to create their training needs analysis. Uh, there's more structure to the training plan rather than putting Khalid in a communication skills he might already have. Mm. Okay, let me find exactly what he needs to do. So there's more direction, more systematic uh, way of doing the training needs analysis. But it also allows graduates to kind of prepare themselves for the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I started seeing the trends. So... Yeah, there's you have the professional, which you're probably uh, a minority where like, yeah, you want to go take a psychometric and understand like your skills and, yeah. you know, yeah. I would yeah. love for it to be that way. Um, but like point. when it yeah. comes to the to the business side of things, it's more like the employee will probably take Maharatkum because the HR is, is either yes. enforcing it or yes. they're partners with us, you know. When it comes to to the university aspect or the, even the high school test because it's appealing to the consumer and adding this value, it's created a lot of interest. Mm. So if we start with the high school one, which is, to be honest with you, it's my baby. Like yeah. This is, if you yeah. tell me which one are you really like interested in, it's that because we were all college students, right? And exactly. before going to college, we all went through this process of what are you going to take? 
you have the family pressure where in our instance, everyone's an engineer. So yeah. you don't go in that path. Oh my God, what, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, but you know, I wish I had a tool like this during my time because for example, amazing. my father kept saying, do engineering, mm -hmm. do engineering mm -hmm. because he already kind of knew my traits, what I'm into. And I'm like, no, I want to do business today. If I, th when I think about it, I'm like, you know, what? I wish I did engineering, you know, mm. uh, cause there is some passion in that side of things. Sure. So with the high school test, it's really growing because one, it's bringing the, the dialogue between parents and their children closer. Because now you have a report to understand, okay, Khairi is good in one, two, three, and the recommended majors are, so I might have, uh, some kid might say, I want to be a doctor, but it's showing you're not analytical, let's say. Um, it's showing me, no, you should go into like economics and stuff. So it, that, that dialogue, it's a constructive conversation yes, exactly. rather than you're just telling me what to do. Yeah. Uh, same with the advisor. So it's actually picking up a lot. Mm. Uh, but I think the, 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 the biggest assessment that's really making traction is that graduate job seeker. Mm. Uh, yeah. I think because obviously the economic situation that's happening, um, unemployment, um, the change that is taking place in the workplace, right? Uh, we got used to remote working after Corona. Uh, we got used to doing our meetings online. Um, this caused a lot of, again, separation between interpersonal skills and actual skills. Um, so my focus, I don't want to say, and you might, I don't want to say it's only on that, but my biggest focus sure. has been on that graduate job seeker. And I love it because it's showing us the trends of the outgoing students. It's allowed me to create partnerships with universities, mm -hmm. um, with with government entities that are focused on youth empowerment. Like here in Abu Dhabi, we have a project with the Crown Prince Court um, where they have like 100 uh, future makers that they feel are the future leaders or the future generations of the UAE where we assess them, we upskill their skills so that they're ready. So I would say that assessment mm. Um, mm. has been the one with the most traction. Sure. And I see why, because... As a graduate, you want to know kind of what direction shall I go? What am I missing? If I can upskill myself, be, uh, and it's a very competitive world today, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. So if you can separate yourself from the field and say, I know the areas that I need to work on. I've taken the certifications mm. for these areas to work on. It gives you a better opportunity. So I would say it's that graduate job seeker. And then it would be that high school assessment. And then obviously the professional side is yeah. is more on the business yeah. aspect of things. Yeah. And I think that's such a that's such a good point that I that you made that like not, you know, not everyone's gonna willingly just go take you know, as a working professional, you're not gonna just willingly go take a psychometric test. Uh, but if a business enforces it, that's a different story. But on the uh, it makes it's almost a no-brainer for the high school, you know, for the graduate, you know, I wish there was something like this in my like in, in my time. Um, because I generally like, like you, my dad, same engineer. Okay, we didn't do that, and I love that. I like. I think of it now. I'm like, oh, I had to prove him wrong. I'm like, I had to fail out of it, and then he, <laughs> and then he's like, all right, go ahead. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> which is fine. But uh, I, I especially now nowadays, with I think that mindset. Now, now you have kids, for example, um, Yanni, and. I think this new your like generation now of you guys as parents and like mine and like me and like m mine as well, 
we don't think like we our parents did so in the sense of it's not you we don't think we don't have the belief that oh if you're not working in a profession you're not going to be you know successful the world is a lot more open now which is great but there's now a counter thing to that but like there's so many things there's too there's now there's almost too many things i can do there was a statistic i read they asked like high school students what's like the number one thing you want to be and it was like an influencer just to show you how things have changed in like the last 30 years between like when we were you know growing up and like now and your kids and so on so now more than ever i feel this is important because it's not it's not a blueprint but it's a good guide it's a it's good to know i knowing these things will help at least guide you in a certain way what happens after whatever but that first step is usually the hardest and especially for university graduates i studied economics and finance in the end i have not worked a single day in economics and finance i've just been in i was in sales and now i'm doing this so maybe i wouldn't have gone down that path or maybe i would have actually ended up working in that field but oh maybe based on this test probably not the thing that you're looking for and so on so i think now it's more important than ever for especially that demographic for that kind of age and you mentioned the arabic and i think that is that's a key that's a very key differentiator and what you were talking about earlier that Google Translate is not the same as someone like someone like an Arab actually writing it out and conduct like constructing the question in the way that me you're supposed to read it with the that emotion with that intention and so on. So I'm curious for you. I don't know why do you think there's been such a lack in, from an Arabic standpoint in in the professional you know development world. I think across the region, you guys I think the fir- are the first and only Arabic. Arabic and English psychometric tests. So I th- I'm curious to hear why do you think there's been such a lack and do you see now think you and it sounds like you want to be the 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 vehicle to change that. That's a very good question and um like I would say we're not probably the the only one but the difference is we focused on the Arabic localization. Mm. Um, so there are assessments out there that are in Arabic. They're not as localized, so the 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 accuracy of the report might be skewed. Skewed. Um, but what you mentioned is very true. But I've been seeing a trend recently because obviously I've been in the ed tech field. So yeah, you have today organizations or companies that are focusing on Arabic because they've realized that, you know what, it's not wrong. Like before, I would say it wasn't really there because you wanted to make sure professionals speak English. Yes, yes. And their English proficiency is high, Mm -hmm. uh, giving you the understanding that if you speak English, that means you're, you're like, you're, I don't want to say more professional, but like, yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. But it should not be a disadvantage if you do not speak english mm. right That's because good. at the end of the way at the end of the, the day we live in the arab region so our, uh, arabic is the predominantly spoken language so now you're seeing a lot more focus on that so you have like idrak for example idrak all their content is arabic they don't have any english content um, and they're similar to Coursera, and they have almost 6 million learners. I'm not trying to market Iraq, <laughs> but respect. I mean, I, I love what they're doing yeah. because it touches on what you just said. You know, we have to focus on Arabic. And that's where it's kind of made me stand out because mm. like most of my projects, if I look at my statistics on my dashboard, I would say 
65% of the assessment users have taken it in Arabic. Mm. Even companies that are giving the assessment to their employees in English, their employees are switching inside and doing it in Arabic, not because they don't speak English, but they're more comfortable speaking in their native tongue, which is natural. Yeah, of course. So I'm seeing a, a, a lot a bigger trend in that. Uh, you're noticing even today, like companies are focusing on having the English Arabic on their website. Uh, you're noticing there was a there was a I don't I don't remember I think it was a few years back where uh, Abu Dhabi government was saying that they were creating the 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 website handles to be in Arabic. Mm. I don't know how far along that's been, but I think it's very important as a, as an Arab being in the Arab region. We have to focus on the Arabic. Um, I'm proud to be one of those pioneers in that. Um, uh, I think it's um, and uh, it's it's great to see these up and coming companies also focus on Arabic. So yeah, I think I think it was really that. It was just that to be in an equal level playing field. <clears throat> yeah, English was a priority, but you know what? The majority <laughs> of people speak Arabic. So yeah, exactly. Let's not. It, it shouldn't be a disadvantage when we're assessing them, when we're training them, when, when, when we're trying to empower youth, if that's the case, so be it. Yeah, right? exactly. And I think also it's from it, one of the big advantages of having it in Arabic is I think, uh, I think you made a really good point that before it was about English proficiency and I feel like, okay, not everyone, but I'd, I'd say a 80 plus percent, 90% of people nowadays, even in the Arab world can speak English, but now you kind of have to okay like we've got everyone here now what's the next step like how do we take it to the next level this guy needs this for example in arabic that's what he understands that's what will empower him more than him reading it in english and i think the one of the biggest advantages of you guys having in arabic is that it opens up the doors in my mind to there's a lot of untapped potential talent out there that no one knows about that no one knows about and through this now you're giving a voice or awareness to that that like talent based. 100 and actually i mean this is where my passion really is in yeah um so we we've, we've created we've cre a lot of the projects that we've been creating yes there is the professional side where we're working with corporates and companies to assess their 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 talent but i think uh, one of one of the initiatives that's very close to my heart um which is focusing on this, is uh, we created an initiative for Palestinian youth empowerment. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and this initiative, uh, I th we thought about it as Palestinian professionals that are living in, in Dubai, and then everyone is busy, but because it's my, my business, I sought after big universities in Palestine. To highlight what you just said, is to let people know that there is talent there that you need to take advantage of now obviously there's a political situation there's sure, justices sure. which adds to that mm -hmm. disadvantage but mm -hmm. so we signed three universities um hebron university al-quds open university and arab american university whereby graduates will assess their skills we will upskill them to provide them at least a better future in the unfortunate situation that they are in mm -hmm. um and to to even add more to that we're trying to work with other partners that uh, today the trend of freelancers is growing yeah big time 
Um, but you would still need like uh, entrepreneurial skills courses, communication, stuff like dedication, time and stress management. But we're also trying to work with entities or websites that are focused on freelance, similar to Fiverr and all of these, but there's a lot of great Arabic ones that are coming out. Mm. To give the opportunity to these talents yeah. to find, I mean, remotely, to work with people to have a sustainable life. And you would need to do that by being highlighted. So when you can sure. assess yourself, upskill yourself, and put yourself out there in your own language, mm. yeah, this is this is honestly what 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 gives me that that inspiration. Yeah, um, and then you have the the other side of things where national visions, and when I say national visions, like the UAE has the principles of the fifty. A lot of the countries have the vision twenty thirty. If you look at it, all of them are talking about youth development, youth yeah. empowerment. Yeah, because it's it is statistically. The average age that's that's in our region is is quite young, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure that this this segment is yeah. focused on. We're giving them that the, enough of 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 that push and yeah. and skills and weapons to have to be ready for that next phase of the workplace. Yeah, exactly. You're you're prepping them, and I I love I love the social cause behind what you're doing. Because uh, especially like the Palestinian side, and like you said, giving we talked like giving access to untapped poten- untapped potential, and then hopefully providing them with now. Okay, you, we've helped you understand yourself and what you're good at. Now we Yanni, down the line, <clears throat> the objective is to give you an a platform for you to potentially start you know work to get jobs you know to do all that kind of stuff. And one thing you talked about is and we've touched on a little bit how the different types of skill sets and interpersonal skills now are super important and whether it's uh, it, not only in Arabic but also in English and one thing that you guys do that because I've taken different psychometric tests because I just I'm, I'm like that um because uh, we have more of people <laughs> <laughs> I just like I, I'm just curious I'm the curious guy one will tell me this I'm like oh like, I did one recently by Gallup and it yes. was really interesting and it said uh yeah your strongest skill is strategic thinking and Honest, this is like two months, three months ago, and I'm like, what? I'm like, I've never known my. I'm like, I'm a strategic thinker. I thought a strategic thinker is like this kind of person, whatever. So again, it was just really interesting yeah. to me. Um, but coming back to what we're talking about, what I like about Maharatkom is the holistic approach. The it's behavioral, organizational, organizational, and situational. Now, for example, in the tests that I've done, might be focused. I've done tests that are very kind of like what you touched on. It's focused on this, like how fit am I to be a leader? How good are my communication skills? But it's rare to find ones that are, you know, like take a holistic approach. And I, th- I'm curious why, why was that important to you to have those three, like to make sure all those three elements are included? Because I feel that by doing so. It enables you because I know you design Maharatkom with the aim to be relevant for what today needs, and I think to be relevant for what today needs, you have to encompass those three areas. I'm glad you brought that up because um, you know, like you mentioned, there's Gallup and there's a lot of other assessment companies that, when when we were doing our research, we found that most assessments are general questions so like it it's not pertaining to a specific situation or a specific scenario that you might go through at work the other thing that we noticed was the trend 
the answering option was either strongly agree or strongly disagree. That was the benchmarking. Yeah, there wasn't levels to it. And there weren't even like reactions to a specific, uh, so it might say, uh, are you a morning person? Strongly agree or strongly disagree? You know, like it's not really telling me who Khalid is. Mm. And it's touching on a point that you also mentioned, highlighting the talent that you have or, 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 or given advantage to the disadvantage. This is where the holistic system came from. So one, we were like, we want it to be time efficient. So I don't want to give four assessments. So we made it one that encompasses behavioral, organizational, situational, critical thinking, leadership, all in one assessment. Two, we wanted it to be completely situational based, meaning all our assessments give you, present you with a scenario or a situation which you've taken mm -hmm. and you have to, re there are three or four options of reactions of how you would react to that situation or that scenario. Mm -hmm. And it's only work-based. Yeah, Because at the end of the day, I want to know how Khairi is in the workplace. Sure, I don't care how Khairi is with his friends or socially. Because I want Khairi to be efficient and pr productive at work. Yeah, So I was like, that's what I want to focus on. Mm. Then I wanted to focus on, and this is where the segmentation came, on the experience level. So each one of the assessments asks questions different than the other. So mm. the graduate will probably get questions more about what type of work environment they like what type of how they would deal with general situations at work whereby a mid-level assessment will focus on how this person manages a team mm. and how this person reports mm. to manage to higher management so yeah this was very important for me and in the high school one i wanted i wanted it to be as uh free going sure because I want engagement. Yeah. I want the highest level of engagement. Yeah. So the high school one is about your interests, uh, how you manage your schoolwork, uh, how you are with your friends at parties or, or, or at, because that's how I will really identify what Khalid's interests yeah. are. And that's, and I loved how you said you felt that the report was accurate um, because accurate is a very loosely used word, right? Sure. Yeah. I don't think you can get something that's 100%, but... The more the more feedback that I get from people that have taken the assessments about how much they related to the mm, report, mm. even when it came to areas of improvement, which a lot of us don't like constructive criticism, sure. right? <laughs> but when you agree to that, yeah, it gives me a sense of satisfaction saying, you know what, we're on the right track. Yeah. Um, now, another point you touched on about having the assessment being about today, the workplace is continuously changing, right? Exactly. Nobody knew COVID was going to come in and change completely everything the way we work today right mm. um i mean today on linkedin you would see maybe 10 percent, 15 percent of the jobs that said hybrid today 60 percent say because now it's become a selling point to the candidate to work for you as a company right mm -hmm. due to that with all these elements we're continuously making sure that we are up to date with the trends of the workplace of the future so in all these are the differences that we wanted to focus on. This is why we came up with the behavioral, organizational, yeah. situational focus on communicative, innovative, analytical skills, everything that's relevant today. Yeah. You know, and exactly. that's how we came up with this specific test model and this specific segmentation of experience level yeah. um, and content for that. Yeah. And I think the segmentation part is so important that 
the test is designed to speak to that specific person. You know, speaking to someone who's like 30 and a manager and speaking to someone who's 17 and in high school, you cannot ask them the same questions and you can't even ask them the same questions, even the messaging of how you direct the question and make to make me engage with that at, and to connect to that is completely different. And I l really like that it's the situational aspect is a crucial part because that is um, that I think gives you a real sense of, you know, yourself in the sense because it's based on real life things that will happen that are, you are going to go through at work. So it's interesting to it's not it's not all it's not what I'm saying is it's not based on theory. It's based on real world examples, which I think that is so important and adds so much more than just a theory-based psychometric test that analyzes yourself. But this is analyzing myself, not just who I am, but analyzing myself in certain situations and certain situations in the workplace as well. And like you said, it's really important to keep up to date with everything that's happening and how things are moving forward. And this is what brings me on to... Which I knew you would exactly, most likely come into. Which is AI. Now, uh, as we were talking before, uh, b before we started the podcast, I've been telling you how deep I've gotten into, you know, AI. Um, even um, so, I so usually for a podcast, it's crazy. Even for a podcast, I always prepare my whole time. I would research and I prepare the questions. Now, if I want to, because I've tested it out, and get probably just give the I just went I just the tell, topic of the podcast and exactly, you got it all. I tell ChatGPT, you know, I'm interviewing someone about this. Give me questions, and so I've done tests with it to see. I'm like, I'll do the questions, and then I ask ChatGPT, and I'll see like, okay, what did it say? What did I say? Was it good? Was it bad? Whatever. Um, and then you, you I'm really happy when I get. I'm like, okay, same thing. But then there's some. I'm like, oh, interesting angle. But I also. But especially when it comes to the podcast, I, it's a personal thing. I, I, I didn't, <clears throat> I don't like doing that because I, my, my enjoyment is when I ask someone and a question exactly, that I thought. I, I was going to, I mean, that, I, yeah, I was about to say that, yeah, is that it's different. It's very different. Yeah. It feels different. Uh, AI, look, AI is, I think it's essential, right? Yeah. As a, I mean, as a world population, we're growing. Uh, we need to understand trends. We need to understand. There's there's great things that are happening, and there's also horrible things that are happening. Mm -hmm. And that's why you'll notice, like, COP and all these uh, the, the 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 strive to create uh, startups that are involved in climate change and all of that. So AI is obviously important. But what, I love what you said because, as important as it is, the human element, exactly. Is, yeah. I mean, okay, I can easily do what you just said, uh, choose a topic and give me the questions and try to do a, a podcast, right? But I don't have an experience of how to manage the podcast, how to manage the flow of the conversation, mm -hmm. how to kind of maybe cut somebody that's going on and on and on to go to the next question. You know what I mean? So yeah. I love that question because even with Maharatkum, AI is very important. Um, it's important because it allows us to make decisions or, or 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 create strategies based on the trends that are coming out from the AI to understand the demographics, the different age groups, the different cities within the countries, the, the comparison between the countries, comparison between departments. Without AI, you wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's like 
we are a data-driven world. Yeah. AI does not work without data. True. Right? So it, I, if, if artificial intelligence is there, but you're not feeding it data, the accuracy and the efficiency of what you're going to get is extremely limited. 100%. So for me, I think Maharatcom kind of is, 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 I mean, nobody can say, okay, I'll just go to chat GPT and ask it to ask me psychometric questions and give me a report. And that means it's there. Yeah. The human aspect of understanding the gaps that we have, mm -hmm. understanding what the needs are in the region, understanding where the region is going, uh, understanding on the specific segmented groups, creating the assessment, going th through the trial and error. So we've been through a lot of different versions of Maharatkam. Without that human aspect, mm -hmm. without actually assessing 5,000 people, I would n the AI would have not benefited me as Maharatkam sure. because the data and the relevancy of the trends and all of these things wouldn't have been there. So I love AI, but I, I'm a still big believer in human <laughs> interaction, <laughs> human aspect. And we've talked about a lot of these things, you and I on the side, when yeah. it comes to like the metaverse and stuff like that. I do believe yeah. in the importance, but I love the human element in everything. And I yeah. think it's crucial. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that answered what you were trying to ask me, but no, but it was, it was, a, it was, um, I love how you built on what I was saying because it also made me th like, I've been reflecting as you've been speaking on, on like the chat, for example, using chat GPT for interview questions. Now on once there's half of me that can be like, for example, someone like me, I've already done this a lot. So I, for me, like, oh, I can go do that. But like you said, the human element. So me, when I sit down and I'm thinking and I write down a question. And, not, and even how you make me feel, right? Exactly, like, yeah. It, I mean, if I was talking to somebody else, I might not feel as free talking, yeah. you know? So Yeah, and the, I must say, I, because I have tested I have tested it on some, I, maybe I have taken a, like one question just to see and like test it out. I must say, it doesn't feel the same to me, even when I'm asking it, I can still ask it in the right way, but internally I know, like, as I know, I'm like, it doesn't feel as good to me, but that's one side. On the other side though, because when I was comparing like my, my questions to the questions it had, I'm like, okay, this is, I have some good, like I have a lot of similarities here, but I can also see a positive because I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have, that, yes. I didn't think about that question. And you asking it in that way is, very, and that's exactly. why I say a human element. Exactly. Is that, yeah, they're great questions, but, you as Khalid, as a podcaster, yeah, will know when the right time to ask such a question is. Yeah. So I agree with, with you. What you're saying, 100, is that? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you. It opened your eyes to a lot of new yeah. topics and comments and yeah, questions yeah, yeah. For, for us sure. today. Yeah, exactly. But you, as Khalid, yeah. will know mm. when it's the right time. To exactly. Use that. So this this free use of of just like Chat GPT, this and and I this, it's like. There's, it's very loosely used. And even so one time, like in the beginning, when all of this was happening, somebody actually asked me, do you have AI courses? And I thought about that question. I'm like, dude, AI is like a big yeah. spectrum. Like, really what do you want in AI? Like, that, do you want to know like, how yeah. to do like predictive analysis? Mm -hmm. Do you, so, you know, like it's, it's very loosely used. So again, the human element of Khalid utilizing the great questions created by chat gpt and all these things is what makes it yeah it's a it's a synergy and i think that's such an important part is it's a, it's again it is a tool and it's the the tool doesn't remove the human it's just that now the human has a new way of doing like 
we have a new way of doing our work. We have a new way of doing certain processes. There's a, one of the biggest things about it that's amazing is that it saves, it can save you a lot of time. Um, but there is still, with all that time saved, I as Khaled or as Khairi still need to put my input to make this actually something, you know, uh, significant. But my question to you was because, for example, Susu, my Susu guys, my youngest sister, <laughs> shout out Susu. Um, so she's uh, she's 18 now and she's like in university and stuff. And I was just, and I've been, and I've been thinking about is AI good or bad for education? Because, and I was having this conversation with um, actually Lujane last week and she was telling me, you know, as for a trainee, as a new lawyer, when a new lawyer comes in, this is having something like this is actually bad because you don't train yourself on how to read the law, how to interpret it. Yes, you can maybe get the the skeleton of it and that and that kind of stuff, but how to it don't get dirty. Yeah, you have the exact thank you very much. You don't get dirty. So now with especially for <clears throat> education and like people in like high school, university, you know, the, like for example, writing a paper, I can you can get it done in one second. You put in the prompt in the right way, it will give it to you. Is this because my so I I'm I've been having this internal debate in my head, you know, I've been because I've been I've been getting into it. So I've been having conversations with people. I'm like, some are for some are against. Now, I'm a big pro my this is my perspective. I'm like, OK. Internet came, gave everyone all these new I was having this conversation actually with Basil, my brother, and I was telling him like we were, he's like, no, and it doesn't change and whatever. I was like, Internet came. It gave everyone new capabilities. It gave everyone a new playing field. And the, so that's how I kind of see AI right now. I was like, yeah, it's going to replace jobs. It's going to change industries. Yeah, but so did the internet. And now we cannot live without the internet. And in the, now AI is a nice thing to use and whatever, but down the line, we won't be able to live without it either. So the challenge becomes the people who win are going to be the people who can utilize, in my perspective, utilize those tools the best. So and I've gone on a bit of a tangent, but my question to you is, do you see this as a positive or a negative for the education field? And yeah, what are your? I'm curious. What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a great question, and it's funny that you mentioned the internet because as you were speaking, I wanted to. I was I was going to touch on that. Is that even for for us, like my generation? Mm. Uh, so you were born what 1990, right? 90, yeah. So AOL, <laughs> kind of started coming out in '93. I was in eighth grade. Mm. Uh, so we kind of had two types of exposure in education. So we had the the non-screen based, and then we got into the whole world of internet. So I can I I think about this because I think of my parents. Uh, my parents were probably in the same situation we are in right now with our kids. Yeah. Um, I think with AI, I don't think it's a negative. I think it's it's it can be a negative if used incorrectly or, or, or improper, right? Mm. So when it comes to education, when the internet came out, it was a lot more about exposure. We got so exposed to things. We did research. There wasn't mm. like if we had a paper, the internet was so useful. Probably teachers didn't like it because we weren't doing the book work, but we were doing research online to understand things, to do all of these things, right? With AI, what I'm worried about is that it's going to take that aspect out. Look, we were all students. We love shortcuts, right? 100%. So <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. preach here. No, oh, I used to love doing the research. Yeah, yeah. So we all love shortcuts. Yeah. But it's a very thin line with AI because of how advanced it is compared to the internet. Yes, at the time we said the same about internet, but 
with with AI today, it can take away so much from a person where it's kind of that person that kind of wakes up every day, reads the current events to have topics to talk about mm. in social circles. But if you go deeper into that current event, we all become very, stuck. We all become very surface level. It's like, oh, what? No, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Mm. So that's my worry when it comes to AI and education mm. is that I wouldn't ma- want my child or Susu to lose the experience of learning about new things in her own way, not necessarily <laughs> in that book way. Uh, getting exposed to new things uh, today with the with ChatGPT writing a report. Yeah, you you're gonna it's gonna write the report. You're gonna read it, but like you said, you use the very key word. It, you got the skeleton. You don't know the nitty gritty about the topic, which is the whole point of education. You know, it's about you learning and understanding more about life for you to be ready. Um, I think. I think, look, I think right now, high school students and university students are where we were as a generation in 92. Mm. They're the guinea pigs. Mm. It's going to, I heard, I read uh, two weeks ago, Italy banned uh, chat GPT and education. And there's a lot more topics about chat GPT with education because of this. Yeah. And I, I, and let's be frank. I mean, with all this technology, I'm sure somebody can come out with a software that will be able to detect if it was. There are, they already exist. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, I know from from Hannah, my wife, who's a marketing manager. Um, there's like, if she asks somebody to do something like a campaign or something, she'll be able to detect if this was fully mm-hmm. from because you'll find the. But but again, she had to go in and read it. Yeah, human yes. element played a role. Yes, and that's why I think. I think it's a tricky phase. So I wouldn't say it's a negative. I would say it's yeah. a positive, yeah. but it needs to be monitored. Let's put mm. it that way. I think yeah. it's not negative, but it needs to be monitored because you need students yeah. to be exposed, to be sure. to learn more about themselves. Sure. You know? Yeah. So let me play devil's advocate yeah. for a sec. Let me say, okay, um, it's po- it's uh, it's positive. Okay. Everything, I totally agree with, you know, everything you said, but... I think one important thing to take into consideration in this conversation is where if we can only reflect on our experience and what we've lived through. So the conversation me and you are having right now is, ah, uh, in our lives up till this point, we believe and the world has shown us, this is the way we have to learn. This, you have to get dirty, you have to do all these things. But now I think you made a really good point that in terms of the the the, the jump from like, for example, internet to chat to for example ai like the amount of processes and the cap the capabilities that you have now are a lot maybe stronger than what it was with the internet so then i'm gonna think i was thinking of the question like okay if we until this point this is how we believe you should learn this is how the world has been this is what we believe but with ai coming and with all these incredible capabilities coming and so on maybe for maybe not your kids, but maybe there are your grandkids or whatever. Maybe by then, the new way, the new learning world is gonna be ba- you, without like you learn through with AI. Like that is gonna be the new world that that's gonna be the new way to learn. And then in a hundred years, whatever great great grandkids be like, ah, oh, you guys did that. I feel there's it's it's. I'm gonna. I'm just trying to think, like think out loud. There's cycles, you know. There's cycles in time, and this becomes the new norm for the future generations. What do you think? 
Look, I think when it comes to education, I think, it, I mean, even for my daughter who's four now, by the time she's graduating high school, it's going to be a very different education system than the one that I was in. Yeah. Because um, I think the world is moving more into a skills-based type of education because if I can know what Khaled is great at and keep empowering that and giving him the weapons for that, I gain, right? I don't need to give him general broad idea of things so i think it will definitely change and i think ai is important when it even comes to the metaverse right again i have my my well, we've talked about this yeah. but if i look at it in the education side you know what we, we've been talking about disadvantage leveling the playing field highlighting talent if today somebody cannot afford to go to harvard but they can do it in the metaverse i'm all for that Yes, they're not going to get that first-hand experience of walking through the hallways, going from class to class, but they are still going to get an accredited degree from Harvard. Mm. So for me, that's fantastic. Yeah. At the same time, going back to your cycles, and it plays on to Maharatkum. So interpersonal skills were extremely important. Even during our childhood, it was mainly outdoors, no screen time, right? Yeah. Um and then in the late 90s, early 2000s, that whole, uh, the internet phase came and the, the, the tech boom came. And I even worked in a, in, in a company that was focused on digital literacy. But it's funny because you said maybe our grandchildren will, will, will say this is the way it is. It's funny that cycles repeat themselves, I think. Okay. If you look at history, okay. civilizations grow civilizations come down and then they come back up again yeah yeah even when we talk about skills so the world economic forum in 2020 we're saying outgoing skills were office microsoft office skills incoming skills are interpersonal skills which were what they were the real skills in the 80s and 90s exactly i think Cycle, That's not saying that technology is, obviously technology is always going to be advanced, right? But I think, or I learned, I don't think something goes completely extinct. Mm -hmm. I think it finds its way back. Yeah. And like when our parents tell us, look, whatever, when we go to university, right? And I don't think what you're going to do is something that I haven't done, mm -hmm. right? They already know the way you're going to think because it's, <laughs> it, it's a cycle. Yeah. I, but again, I think like, like certain segments of our life will change. Like yeah. education is definitely going to change. Yeah. I don't think universities are going to be the way they were today. Yeah. I think it's going to be very different. Yeah. I think majors and degrees are going to be very mm -hmm. different. Yeah. Things are going to, there's going to be a huge transformation happening. Yeah. But to what you're saying, I still see. Things cannot be taken out. Like interpersonal skills mm. cannot be taken out. Yeah. Human interaction. Cannot. Yeah. We're, we're what? Probably 8 billion today. Yeah. How are you going to eliminate half of that? Mm -mm. Maybe, maybe our, maybe our misuse of, of the, of planet earth might, <laughs> sure. but I mean, where are you going to put these people? And yeah. it's funny. I mean, we, I'm sure everybody sees these videos, like that video of the robot that was overworked and it just collapsed. Mm. I don't know if you saw it in no. Japan in a factory. The robot was doing a human job, but by like hour 18, it just malfunctioned and it was done. 
So clearly, mm, one doesn't work well without the other. Yeah. Yes, there's going to be jobs that are going to be obsolete, for sure. Yeah. Admin stuff, uh, data data filtering, yeah. uh, inputting data today. You know, this these are probably, uh, but I'm sure during our parents' times, there, was there were that things that yeah. were becoming obsolete. So it's it's going to be very interesting to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, the change is exciting, mm. but I think it needs to be monitor yeah i think it has yeah. to be monitored. yeah I, I would agree or otherwise it's just gonna be <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's gonna be like that movie this will be lost. lost yeah yeah you know this will be lost and yeah. if you're a person if you're if you're a people person you like dealing with people mm. and i think a lot of us are mm. it's gonna be hard to just eliminate human interaction sure no and i think that's look that's such a great point about the it doesn't it's not gonna one doesn't work without the other and it's not gonna it's not gonna replace but this, it's going to be, it's like a new a new world or a new society or a new technological advancement that we're going to have to, this is going to, it's like a new playing field. It's like a new game. We finished level two. Okay, now we're in level three. These are the new rules for level three. This is what we need. And uh, I, look at back, sorry to interrupt. No, no, look at back to the future. <laughs> there you go. You know, they're coming and out with another one. Yeah, and we always go back to yeah, those yeah. dates <laughs> that they were inputting in the, in the, in the, in the car, right? Yeah. They were probably, I mean, their vision was maybe they, the the only thing that hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen pretty soon is the cars, yeah, the flying cars flying. But I mean, 20 years from now, God knows what is going to be even more advanced than AI and what we're going to yeah. be accustomed to. So we exactly. kind of start taking things for granted. Yeah. And there's things you and I probably take for granted today that our parents never even fathom. Yeah, exactly. Right? No, hundred percent. So it's. It's 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 gonna be exciting. Yeah, I I don't I, uh, to, I mean to go back about positive, negative, all these things. I think you're gonna we're gonna have to be accepting. Mm, How much you wanna accept is gonna be up to you, but you can't just be not willing to accept because yeah. it's throughout time you've had to accept. Yeah, exactly. You know? So I think it's just like levels, hundred percent of acceptance. That's that's such a that's such such a great point about levels of acceptance. And we've seen, you know, in our our lifetime, the companies that are still here today and are kicking ass, and the ones who didn't get with the program, you know, and just fell off, you know, and, and who are the who are like twenty years ago the biggest companies in the world. The too big to fail thing doesn't exist if you don't keep up with 100%. you know what's going on. And I love what you said about the cycles and that you know there's that famous saying that history repeats itself because. In 20 years, because it's a balancing act, right? Now we are heaven, we are out. Uh, there's a lack of social side. Okay, we need to balance t- tip the scale then. And then we're going to go, you're going to go too far that way and you're going to be like, oh, wait, guys. Okay, the, all this stuff is quite technical. No, now we need to get maybe some more technical things going on. Anyway, but it's really interesting how, I'm curious to see how, you know, things play out. It's going to, especially in the education space. Me too. And I think this brings up a good question that I, I just, like it just came to me now on how would you define education? Huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. what, what does that, like in your, and from your perspective, there's no right or wrong here, but if you, how would you define that? Uh, look, I think it depends on first the, the person, right? Sure. I mean, there, there are academic people who are who love to just like read and dive mm. in and and get that part of things there's people that are more hands-on um i'm more of like a hands-on type of person right mm. uh i definitely like to read the, th- the the articles and 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 things that i'm interested in but i like 
getting dirty. I like to experience things. Education, I, th- I think, ed- and this is when we talk about how it's going to be in the future, I think this is where it's going to go, is that it's about one, it's about what you're good at, uh, learning more about that, you know, excelling in your strengths, in your interests. And maybe that's why the high school test is a special one for me, because it's highlighting what you're like your strengths and matching majors based on that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's about learning more about what you're interested in, what you're strong in, um, learning about things that you'd like to learn more about and maybe you're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. True. Because yeah, I mean, in life, even in the, as an entrepreneur or as a corporate, there's things that you're afraid of that you become timid and hesitant with. So I think education is more about empowering yourself with what you want to empower yourself with. Mm. And I think that's where, like, at least universities are going to go. Yeah. I mean, Coursera today, I remember Coursera started the early 2000s. Coursera today is has, like, mil, like, like hundreds of thousands of courses on it. You, as Khaled or me, as Khairi, can go take a specific course from a specific university, get a specific degree from, not degree, certificate from mm-hmm. that university and that course. And I think... This is how education was. And I'm not going to get too philosophical, but sure. I know education is also to deal with, I mean, population growth. You need to kind of time the inf- the flooding mm-hmm. of people into mm-hmm. the workplace. I mean, mm-hmm. are there jobs going to be available uh, for discipline? For You know, there's a lot of structure about university, which I agree with. But education for me is doing what you want to do. But I would have loved during my time of education to have had that blended education or that hands-on experience that's education for me it's not only the literature side the theoretical side yeah i think if anything the world has shown us it's about hands-on uh understanding it uh that blended aspect where you kind of can also go on on your own tangent maybe you might understand something differently than somebody else which is not right or wrong but so this is, I mean, I, I kind of went on different things, sure, but I sure. think education is really, if you tell me what's education to you, it's, it's really doing something you want to like learn more about, you uh, strengths that you have that you want to empower yeah. and grow on that. Yeah, That's yeah. what I think education and, is. And I, I love what, you, there's so many good points that you said. First of all, I love the <clears throat> a very important thing that we need to bring into the conversation when we have that, when we ask that question is everything, education means something different to everyone. And everyone learns in different ways, right? And I think, you know, you can't have one, you can't be super theoretical without having some of, you know, some hands-on experience. Or you can't be just experienced without having, you know, some actual research and understanding, a deeper understanding from a theoretical perspective about it. But I love what you said about it's empowering yourself in what you like to do and learning the skills and whatever you need to do to achieve, to go down that path. For example... I know this is not going to happen. I know this is not going to happen. So Lana, don't worry. But um, I, I would love in a perfect world, in an ideal world, I would not w- want my kids to go to school because I know there's a lot of benefits school have, schools and universities. I know there's a lot of benefits and skills that, for example, on the pers- interpersonal side and dealing with people and structure and discipline and all that, priceless. You're not going to get that thing anywhere else and for that length of time. But I believe... If it was up to me with all the kind of and with the Coursera example, you have the ability to become an expert in whatever you like to do. And I believe that 
for me personally, for my children, if I could, I would want them to just try whatever they'd want to try and only empower what they genuinely love and want to do. Because if I do that, and the earlier you start, the better, because it accumulates, it's a compounding effect. So if they started learning about he wants to be, or he or she wants to be a data data analyst, for example, they won't. But anyway, um, you know, him starting to get into that at a young age, exposing him to the right courses, empowering him, taking him to see certain seminars. You know, like I don't the old the old education, the traditional education system. There's a lot of good for it, but I feel it's also in my my perspective, it hinders you becoming your ability to become exceptional in a certain in a certain field because it's not it's general which is good there's good to be all rounded but it's not it's not giving me the 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 roadmap and the tools to excel at what i genuinely love to do and of course you can't make school specific to every single individual student it doesn't work that way um but yeah that's just no, my I'm, that's I, just my look, two cents i know i i I I appreciate what you're saying, and I I agree with with a lot of what you're saying. Um, but sometimes sometimes we get so ideal, and we forget that there's life. Yeah, right. That's true. So <laughs> true. sometimes life, not some, most of the time, life leads you into things that you might not want. Like I mean, the beginning of your career, you're probably doing something that you don't want to do because you need to start earning a salary. Sure. Right. So I think. I think I agree with what you're saying is that I would want my daughters to empower themselves with what they want to do, but keeping in mind that there's also this thing called life that we're in is that mm -hmm. it's not always going to be you always being able to do what you want to do, at least in the beginning. Sure. Right? True. Um, Fair point. Fair point. And I think also, I mean, but I think what you're saying will eventually happen in education because we're seeing it. I mean, university will you think not, it's gonna transition into I don't that? think it will I don't think we will still be in this there will be four year programs, but I don't think it will be the norm. Mm, interesting. However, I don't think not getting a college degree will be a norm, right? Because like let's say uh, I see what today, I mean, during our parents' time, masters was there, but I don't think the majority of their colleagues had it because they were getting much married, much younger. Families, you need to start working. Yeah. Uh, in our generation, I think the benchmark has become when you're applying for a job, MBA preferred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So I don't see that being non-existent, but the way you get to that is going to be very different. Yeah, very different. Yeah. Uh, and I think like before, maybe vocational training was not looked at positively. Today, vocational training is important. Today, when you talk to different ministries of labor. What are they focusing on? They're focusing on entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Why? Mm. Because you have a lot of people graduating, not enough jobs out there. So it's like, okay, you know what? Let's see what these guys like. Yes, exactly. Let's teach them how to become an entrepreneur yeah. so that we can give them more of an opportunity to make a sustainable income. So again, this is a topic that um, can go for days, but yeah. I agree with sure. a lot of things that yeah. what you're saying. I do believe yeah. it's going to, change into the things that you're saying but this lovely thing that we call life yeah sometimes i mean uh, it i mean and even as an entrepreneur i mean and you know it and i know it 
without a support like that, that support system around you um, that, that, that can kind of feed your drive, you know, um, because of life, it's, you, cannot, you cannot continue. So That's like for point. me, yeah, I'm doing what I love to do, but without that support of like my wife, mm. uh, without the support of my like close friends, family, you wouldn't be able to keep sustaining what you want to do and you would have to probably go into another path if it's not successful. Right? Yeah. So again, life is life, beautiful, yeah. but I agree with a lot of the points that you said and I do think education, not even in 20 years, in 10 years is going to be very different. Yeah. And I'm excited about it. I'm very, because I think that's where you will start seeing, you were talking about that tipping and balance. Yeah. That's where you will start seeing the balance between AI and mm. human. Yeah, yeah. Because you're going to, it's going to be, Okay, how do we balance this? Khalid, what do you like to do? Okay, let's... So I think it's going to change. It's, gonna, yeah. it's definitely going to change. But let's not forget also, I mean, this will be I mean, the last point I'll make on this, but like academic institutions are also extremely important due to the discipline, due to the yeah. uh, social networking, exactly. due to yeah. your, your social uh, mm. behavior, your social mm. growth. Mm. So, I, I mean, there's... I wasn't a huge, like, I love school guy, but I would say these things are, ex they're, they're irreplaceable. You can't, you yeah. can't not have them. Yeah. And so I, it's going to have these two types of things, I think. Yeah. And I think that you touched on it earlier is that no matter what, like, uh, again, coming back to the cycles, it's not going to be extinct, but it's going to be different. Modified. Modified, exactly, exactly, exactly. To fit with where we are now and, you know, where things are going um, in the future. Um, Kay, I just have two more questions for you. And these are questions I ask all my guests. So you probably know what's coming. Um, either looking back at your career or personally, professionally, whatever, whatever the case might be, when I ask you the question, what are you most proud of for yourself? What would you say? What am I most proud of? That's a very big question. Um, I think, I think what, what I'm doing, what I've been doing, I mean, I'm proud of what the, the accomplishments that I've done previously in my previous uh, jobs or career but I think what I'm most proud of right now is that I was able to kind of develop something from scratch um, get the validation through existing projects uh, through uh, subject matter experts um, creating the Palestine Youth Empowerment Initiative I think these things I'm very proud of, um, and I hope I hope that 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 I can continue on that and create more milestones. But I mean, if you ask me immediately, what am I most proud of? It's that it's that I was I'm, I've been able, and that I've also pr I'm proud of that I learned from my past mistakes and mm. accepted that I needed to go into the corporate world to get to where I'm at. Yeah, and that that was big for me, really, because yeah. if you ask me a question. Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? And I said, yes. But it's it's important that I'm saying this because I probably seven, eight years ago, I would have not said this. Sure. I would have, my ego would have been there, you know, and no, I can do it. I can, but I needed that. I needed the, I needed this, all these, these things that I went through to be able to say, I'm proud of what I'm doing right now and yeah. what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. And man, I, I really, really love that. And I like how, you when you reflect you look at it as not only if number one do you accept it but as lessons learned rather than you know in a in a negative light and carry you know carry that with you and like you said those all those years you spent working in the corporate environment uh even with your first venture you know all these 
experiences have given you the tools mentally and like structurally to now be like, okay, now I know how this kind of fits. And then the most beautiful thing out of all of this is what I love is when an idea, you created this idea out of it, just like there was nothing in the world. And then like some magic happens, this idea is created. And then you not only had it, you built on it and implemented it. And mashallah, you're doing really well. So I'm so proud of you Thank as well. You. Um, and from my last question, Kay, what is the message you'd like everyone to take home with them today? I mean, the message, I think uh, if we're talking mainly about what we've been talking about when it comes to like Maharat, come upskilling, we covered points about like leveling the playing field. I think it's just, it's important. We're in a time where uh, between the, 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 the digital literacy phase of screen time and then COVID and then the change of work, I'm a big advocate for youth. And I think the message is to, I mean, with all these changes and everything that's happening, youth empowerment is key. Yeah. Um, the more we focus on youth, the graduates, uh, making sure high school students are doing what they want. Um, as, a, as a proud Palestinian Arab, I would want the best for our region. Yeah. So I think the message is youth empowerment, embrace change, um, try and accept these these changes that are happening. Um, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the message that I would say is focusing on youth. Uh, never say no to like them being better, doing something better, um, exposing them to a lot more than just things on the screen. I think that would really be my message. Yeah. Youth and empowerment. Youth empowerment. And I think that's something so so important and something that honestly if i'm speaking of myself i maybe don't give enough credit to or pay enough attention to like i'll say it but it doesn't feel that way inside like mentally i know that's the right thing to do but emotionally it's a little bit different but i understand and i'm seeing you know like sus is a great example of because i've seen i've been through her like i've seen her grow up and i see where they are now and i see like the the good and i see you know the bad and I think something very important that you said is, you know, that to remember, it's not going to be easy. This change is hard. It's going to, the whole, everything's going to change. But the sooner or the sooner you can accept it, doesn't mean you have to right now. doesn't mean next year, whatever. But at some point you're going to have to accept it because that's where the world's going. And we need to prepare the youth for where we're heading. Okay, this has been three fucking years <laughs> in the making, and I knew it was always going to be a. But fantastic. everything happens. I mean, the, there you go. I mean, it, yeah. I maybe it got to this point so that I can uh, yeah. be able to tell you about these the passion and yeah, the yeah. projects that have led us there. But yeah. so, I mean, thank you yeah. so much for this. No, uh, of course, it was a pleasure. No, Habib. Um, um, if people wanna, it. if people wanna connect with you, uh, reach out, work with you, where can? What's the best way for us? So to get the in best touch? way would be uh, our website is maharatcom Mm -hmm. um, and the, uh, I mean, th there's a lot of information on there about the assessments and what we do. And if the, if uh, anybody wants a direct answer or wants to know more support at maharatcom.com, uh, we will reach out to you immediately. So you guys heard it here first, uh, guys, <clears throat> if you're interested, if you're a parent, if you're a student, if you're a professional, go check out maharatcom, regardless of your level, if you take the test, you will at least have more insight about yourself. I've done it myself, so I'm not just talking bullshit here. It was very interesting to me, and it really did give me areas that I'm like, okay, yeah, I know I'm bad at that. Or like, oh, I didn't know that that is something, <laughs> that is something I could be good at. 
Katie, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I've always wanted to have you on the show. You know that because uh, I love what you're doing. I think you're doing a great job. Uh, <laughs> you're, you. I mean, I've I've been watching your show not only because you're Khalid. <laughs> I love the the way the way you 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 present uh, the the different topics you cover is fantastic, and I wish you also Hi, all baby. the best. Hi, baby. Thank you so much, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow, like, share, subscribe, the Instagram handles, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever at hope.it.helps with two S's. And as always, guys, hope it helps. Peace.